to the Her Influence podcast, calling women to rise in purpose and influence your world with real voices, bold words, and whole hearts. The Her Influence podcast is created on behalf of Gather Women by Women in Canada for women everywhere to rise in their leadership influence wherever they are planted. And now, here are your hosts, Kathy Ostapchuk, Vanessa Hoyes, and Caitlin Say. Hey everyone, my name is Caitlin Say and I'm one of the co-hosts of the Gather Women podcast. Thanks for being here with us today. Well, you are in for a treat today as we listen to Shayla Visser, the National Director of Alpha Canada, and Jason Ballard. He's the Director of the Canadian Church Leaders Network. Jason is also the lead pastor at the Way Church in Vancouver. Both Shayla and Jason brought messages to our event that happened back in November. It was called A Seat at the Table, where both of them were calling us and commissioning us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus during this time, this COVID pandemic, and really to be spending that time in God's presence to experience that refreshment and that renewal that he wants us to have. As you're listening today, you can be asking yourself, how do these relevant messages apply directly to me for my life right now? I'm believing that there are insights for you that will propel you forward to know God better during this season. So get comfortable and listen in. Well, hey, what an honor it is to be with you today. Um, to be connecting with such a dynamic group of leaders from across Canada within the church and in commerce and business. Like, it just feels so profound. I think this gathering is significant. And I think that you would agree that we live in very significant time in history. And yes, that's because of COVID. I mean, COVID has changed so much. But I think that this is a profound time beyond COVID. I think that COVID acted as an accelerator and maybe a magnifying glass on shifts going on in culture that were happening before March. And there are so many things right now, and I don't know if you felt this, there are so many things demanding our attention. Like as a leader right now, so many things are drawing our attention. And these are deeply important things. Like some of these things you might say, well, it's not that important, but most of the things, they're deeply important things. And so as we started today, I feel like what I'm meant to do, like what my responsibility or my job description today is to do, is to turn our attention to the thing that deserves our most attention. Not that we would ignore things that have our attention, but that we would put our chief affection and chief attention to the thing of most importance. And as a result, it would give context to everything else. And so what I want to do is I want to turn our attention as we start today towards Jesus. The author of Hebrews says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. And I just am amazed in my own life, like as a pastor of a church, that I can go days and sadly, probably weeks, and doing the work of Jesus, doing things in the name of Jesus with my attention not on Jesus or myself. And I can find myself dealing with important issues without attending the thing that's of first importance. And that is that all of my affection and all of my attention would be on the risen servant king, Jesus. 
And what I want to do in just a few minutes is highlight three things that happen when we turn our attention on Jesus. And there's obviously a lot more than three things that happen, but three things I think are essential for us today, things that we need to have the conversations we're about to have and to go back into the lives that we're called to live. Three things. First, when we fix our eyes on Jesus, the people of God are united. In John chapter 17, Jesus prays this. He says, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father. Just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. A divided world needs a united church. And we live in divided times. And we see new expressions of division coming into the church and, and Christians throwing stones at one another for tons of reasons. And it could be like, you know, even one church's response to COVID, like we're opening up and we're not opening up and that can cause division or another leader, uh, a person's opinion on US politics, more division. And even like a leader's commentary or actions or apparent inaction when it comes to racial equality, more division. And listen, these things are deeply important, but they need not divide us. I love what Nikki Gumbel says. He says, what unites the church is infinitely more important than what divides us. And I remember when I was writing the Alpha Youth series back in 2012, and here was the brief. The brief was that we were meant to write a resource that would work for the whole church, not just across Canada, but around the world. Multiple denominations, multiple expressions, multiple churches to engage the next generation in conversations about Jesus. And so I was tasked as like this, and keep in mind at the time, I'm like, a, well, I still am. I'm like a white evangelical kid who grew up in a local community church. And so I'm now tasked with the responsibility of trying to write content that's going to work for the whole church and all of its diversity. And so we assembled a team and we had different editors from different denominations and different traditions. And I found myself on the phone with Father James Mallon quite a bit. And Father James, you might have heard of him before. He at the time was a parish priest in Nova Scotia, still is, but a different parish now. But at the time he was at St. Benedict's in Halifax, Nova Scotia. And we'd find ourselves on the phone from different generations, from different faith expressions, with different theological expressions as well, laboring together to find language for what we share in common in Jesus, that the next generation might know him. And here's what I discovered. What we share in common in Jesus is so much greater than what divides us. I feel like we're meant to turn our eyes towards Jesus today, like before we get into the other content. And even our life, with the midst of so many things going on, we need to turn our attention towards Jesus. Because when we turn our attention towards him, it unites us. Second, when we turn our attention towards Jesus, when we fix our eyes on Jesus, it gives us perspective. It gives us context. Specifically, it helps us see ourselves, our organizations, and even our movements in the context of God's great story. Like when we see Jesus clearly, the risen servant King Jesus, the one who was there at the foundations of this world, and we see Jesus who says he's building his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus who defeated sin, death, and the devil. Jesus who's seated at the right hand of the Father. Jesus who says, behold, I am making all things new. When we see him, it gives context and perspective for our lives that we're desperate for. It saves us from overestimating ourselves. There is a temptation to believe 
and overestimate our importance in God's stories. We are small players on a big stage. Jesus is the hero. He's building his church and his kingdom is just doing fine with or without us. He doesn't need you. He doesn't need your church, your business or your idea. He doesn't need me. He doesn't need my creative ideas right now for building the church in Canada during COVID. He doesn't need my strategy. His kingdom is doing just fine. And it has been growing on planet Earth. And it will continue to grow until it fills the whole Earth. And that is good news. Because it frees you and I from the crushing burden of this being all on us. And when we fix our eyes on Jesus and we gain perspective, not only does it save us from overestimating ourselves, it saves us from discounting ourselves from writing ourselves out of the story. When we see him, his great love towards us, his grace, his affection towards you and me, it reminds us that even though we don't deserve deserve it, he's inviting us in. You're not disqualified. I haven't been disqualified. I'm not so insignificant that I'm not invited to be part of the amazing story that God is telling in Canada. When you see Jesus, his love, his affection, and his power, it gives us context and perspective. Third, and last reflection for today. When we fix our eyes on Jesus, we're filled with courage. And I feel like God's word for the church today maybe for you and I today, is do not be afraid. Florence Nightingale, the founder of the modern nursing movement, said this, how very little can be done under the spirit of fear. Fear of change can cause churches and organizations to fully stand still. Fear of what others think can stop us from boldly speaking truth. Fear of rejection can cause us to retreat. Fear of the unknown can stop us from stepping into what's next, what God has in store. Fear of losing power can make us blind to the ways that we're hurting others. Fear of the culture around us can stop us from proclaiming the good news of Jesus. How very little can be done indeed under the spirit of fear. And I love how Jesus was not afraid. Jesus was never afraid of being misunderstood. He was never afraid of rejection. He was never afraid of who he would associate with. Think about the account in John chapter eight, where this crowd is gathering around a woman who was caught in the act of adultery. And the religious leaders are challenging Jesus. What are you gonna do about this? Stones in their hand. This woman so vulnerable, this crowd so threatening. And Jesus, he could have been paralyzed by fear human like you and I. You know, fear for his physical safety. Even like fear of like being associated with her. He could have been afraid for like his movement. Like sometimes we try to rationalize our fear. Like, well, you know, like I can't associate with this thing even though I know it's important for fear that it compromises this greater good. Fear could have paralyzed him in this moment. You know, fear of trying to protect himself or his movement, fear of the crowd, pleasing others, the desire to be like. These things, these fears, they paralyze us. But Jesus was not afraid. And he boldly addressed the crowd, tenderly addresses the woman. And for us to do what we're called to do today, to even have the conversations we're meant to have today, we need the courage that comes from seeing Jesus clearly. 
And when we see him and we hear him saying, do not be afraid, we find courage. So may we see him. May we fix our eyes on Jesus, a first importance, that we may be united, that we may have perspective, and that may we not be afraid. I'd just like to pray for us and lead us in a time of turning our attention towards Jesus. And then I just want to read a scripture, and that will be all. So let me pray, and maybe whatever environment you're in, you might want to close your eyes or maybe open up your hands just as a posture of receiving and and just with me begin to turn your attention towards Jesus. So Jesus, in this moment, before we go any further in the conversations we're going to have today, I want to acknowledge that there are so many things asking for my attention, things that are important and things that are not important. God, I just want to repent for doing the work in your name without doing it from a place of abiding in you, with eyes fixed on you. So God, in this moment, we turn our attention towards you. We look at you, Jesus. Living God, we turn our attention towards you. I pray, Holy Spirit, that in this moment, you would draw our hearts and our eyes and our affections towards you. And just in this posture of prayer, I just want to read this passage of scripture from Colossians chapter one. And I just invite you just to meditate on these words and let these words bring reflection and attention towards Jesus. Speaking of Jesus in verse 15 of chapter one, says, the son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He, Jesus, is before all things and in him all things hold together. He's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusations. Amen. Something I love about Compassion Canada is their commitment to equipping Christians and the church for mission and ministry. This is true in the 25 countries where they work, where they partner with local churches to reach children living in poverty. But it's also true here in Canada, where they equip 
Canadian Christians with resources to help us gain perspective on God's heart for the poor and how we can respond in Christ-centered, life-giving ways. Compassion Canada has recently began publishing devotionals on the YouVersion Bible app to serve this purpose, to inspire and equip Canadian Christians to respond to global poverty in ways that are rooted in Christ. These practical reading plans will help you gain perspective on the needs in the world and how you can respond. You can start one of Compassion Canada's devotionals today. Search for Compassion Canada in the reading plan section of the YouVersion Bible app. Transitions are about voice recognitions. That's what I heard Terry Walling say at the beginning of COVID, and boy, is he right. We are in such a massive transition, and I think as leaders, we need to be asking ourselves, whose voice are we listening to? I don't know about you, but during the season, I've listened to a lot of podcasts, webinars, I have read great books, I have listened to leaders I really trust, and I'm asking myself these days, what is forming my heart? Who is informing what I think about? And I have to admit that some of the time, I really don't like the answer that I'm finding. I am an Enneagram 3. I am a driven woman. I love to find solutions. I love to learn from great leaders. But I recognize that during this season, the voice that is the loudest isn't the one that should be. I think leadership for the church is critical today. And it's not just about the solutions. It's about who is leading us and how they're leading us. And we need to determine the who and how because that will help us to lead into this great unknown. In the midst of all these questions that I have about the future of the church in Canada, the future of the Christian witness in our nation, I feel that the Holy Spirit is slowing me down and whispering to me and inviting me to be with him more. He is the one who has a plan that's unfolding before our very own eyes. He is the one who knows what he wants us to be active in as leaders in the church today. And so the invitation is for all of us to say, will we slow down as leaders enough to listen to the one who holds it all together? And as he's been quietly whispering to me, I feel him saying four words, presence, prayer, penitence, and power. When I think about Moses and what he was teaching us when he was walking through the desert, leading the people of Israel, there was a point at which he came to where the people were really disgruntled with what was happening. And the Lord said to him, I will give you the promised land. And Moses responded and said, I don't want the promised land if I don't have you. In fact, he says, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. And I wonder as leaders in this critical moment of the church, are we looking for solutions? Are we looking for what is the next step? More than we are looking to the one whose presence we want to go with us. So I think presence is critical for church leadership right now. I love Jesus when he says in John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And I'm often asking myself, is this my reality? Am I entering his presence, finding peace and joy and comfort and strength and rest for all that he has before us in these very unusual times? And then I ask myself also, am I bearing fruit that lasts? 
And only the Lord can do that in us and through us. And so we need to spend time in his presence to know how to lead from that place. So I wanna ask you, are you spending time with him? Is presence a key part of your leadership strategy where you find wholeness and strength? Because when we are in his presence, we then are awakened to pray. In 2 Chronicles 7.14, we hear the words, if my people. Now this verse has been called on so much during COVID. And the one word that sticks out to me more than any other is if, if my people. And truthfully, if I look at my own heart, I say, have I prayed as much as I've listened to podcasts, tried to learn from other great leaders and done all sorts of things to capture this moment and make the most of it? And the answer, if I'm to be truthful, is no. I have not prayed as I should. But I also wonder, have the churches, many church leaders that I talk to have been so thrown off by everything that COVID has given them. There's also opportunity that they've been given that the church's prayer and the prayer life of its leaders have been in question. And I love what Charles Spurgeon has to say about prayer. He says, whenever God determines to do a great work, he first sets his people to pray. And then Charles also goes on to say, a powerful church is a prayerful church. And so as we look around, as you look around, ask yourself the question first, what does my prayer look, life look like as I lead in this time? And then secondly, what does the group I'm leading look like when it comes to prayer? I think we have to take stock and ask ourselves that because I think we're a solution-oriented church in the West, not a prayerful church. And I have to admit, I'm part of the problem and I'm working to become part of the solution. And of course, after we've prayed, the Lord usually says to us that there's something we need to be penitent about. We have an opportunity to repent, an opportunity to admit that during this season, it's been so all hands on deck, so consuming for us, that we may not have had the time to pray. And so we spend time with the Lord repenting, repenting that perhaps we've looked to others and not him for solutions to the problems of the day. Perhaps we've inadvertently hurt people in our rush to get things done. And I think we need to corporately and individually seek out the Lord and acknowledge where we have been self-sufficient versus Holy Spirit, Christ sufficient. And I would say the best thing I've done for my spiritual and mental health during this season is I've been repentant. I've had a penitent heart. And it's not that I get there very easily. The Lord usually has to hit me with his kind two by four to get me there. But when he does, it leads me to a place of refreshing and freedom, often insights and wisdom. In the book of Acts in chapter 319, it's written, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. If you're an exhausted leader, if you are feeling like burnout's just around the corner, or perhaps you're just feeling a bit strung out because you just don't know what to do next, you don't know what COVID's gonna bring you, I want to remind you that doing more may not be the answer. In fact, I'm quite sure it's not the answer because refreshing comes from the Lord. Wisdom comes from the Lord. Insight comes from the Lord. And so finding time in his presence to pray and to be penitent is the keys to great leadership for the church of the future. And in those times, 
he also then reminds us that he has given us the Holy Spirit for power. And we can't lead throughout this crisis without Holy Spirit power and wisdom from God's heavenly realm. I keep asking God to give me supernatural wisdom and insight. But Ephesians 1 is really clear when it tells us to pray for that. Paul is praying for the church at Ephesus for that. But then it says, so that you may know him better. It doesn't say, so that you can have all the solutions to the world's problems. It says, so that you can know him better, because it's when we know him better that we can actually lead and live out of that place. And so I'm really encouraged by the work of the Holy Spirit in our churches across Canada and the U.S. in this season. It is an exciting time for our, us to access fully what the Lord always intended us for, to have with the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we need to be seeking him daily. In fact, most mornings I start my day saying, Lord, this is your day. Come Holy Spirit, give me everything I need to be found in your presence, to be prayerful, to be penitent, and then also to access your power. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to us today as we lead. And I find that, first of all, mind-boggling, but also really exciting to know that God's given us everything we need as leaders. And we know that in Romans it says, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We are weak, we need God's power, and we need to turn to him and ask him every day to fill us with his Holy Spirit to lead in this critical time. And so it's as we seek his presence, as we seek to simply dwell with him, that the Spirit awakens us to pray, and as we pray, he moves us into a place of penitence, and as we repent and keep praying, he gives us power power for the mission. And in Acts 1.8, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So God has given us everything we need for this season and it's found in him. So what if the answers that we're seeking come when we arrive at the end of ourselves? What if our hope is not actually found in having the answers? but is found in the one who holds them, Jesus Christ. What if the best leadership goes beyond structures and strategies? And I think the critical question comes back to, to which voice are we listening? It's the crucial question of our time. And in the book of Revelations in chapter two and three, we hear Jesus' seven messages to the seven churches. And the one common exhortation is this, those who have ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. So do we have ears to hear? Well, let us hear what the Spirit is saying to us in this day and this time. I want to stop and pray as we finish and pray the oldest prayer of the church, which is come Holy Spirit. So we say, come Holy Spirit, bring us into the presence of the Trinity where we learn to pray, acknowledge our failures, and receive power, Holy Spirit power. Come Holy Spirit, we need you. And this is all for the glory of Jesus in our nations and around the world. Amen. Wow, thank you so much, Shayla and Jason, for those important points that we can take with us into our day today. 
Hey, if you've got some time today, I just encourage you to grab a notepad and a pen and spend some time reflecting on what you just heard. Shayla really emphasized the power of prayer and even the renewal that comes through the practice of repentance. Is repentance something you practice regularly? And if so, why is it beneficial? She also talked about the importance of relying on the power of the Spirit and not your own strength, your own power, or your own plans. How are you doing this right now in your life? Jason also made some really important points. He quoted Nikki Gumbel saying, What unites the church is infinitely more important than what divides us. Where are you seeing the church divisions happening right now? How could you contribute to peace and harmony in the church? He also emphasized how desperately we need God's courage through this season. He said we need to reject fear and embrace courage to fulfill our purpose during this time. How is fear holding you back? And what might you need to do to take just one step forward towards the things God is asking of you? Well, we hope that today's message has been encouraging and helpful to you as we all continue learning together what it means to follow Jesus during this time and to live with our real voices, our whole hearts, and our bold words. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Her Influence Podcast. Download and share this episode and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Go to gatherwomen.com for show notes, resources, and events in your area. We invite you to join the movement to hear the voices of women represented in equal value and strength in all kingdom conversations, and to see the presence of women in equal value and strength in every area of influence. And now, rise in purpose and influence your world with real voices, bold words, and whole hearts.